Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We are back. Chris and I have both been under the weather. Some of these things are a little bit harder to kick. So let me let me apologize in advance. My my voice and throat are still a little bit iffy. Uh, Chris was feeling a lot better. We're able to get into some hockey talk today. We're really looking forward to it. So stay tuned. We're going to have a killer show today. All right, guys and girls, wherever you are, we are back. I, for the those of you following us along on the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com, I put out a replay of an interview Chris and I did with Shane Knighty before he got the VGK analyst, TV analyst position. I thought that would be a fun little listen to um, while we were both out under the weather. I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was Keep in mind, that was before he... It's, if, if I went back and listened to the interview, it seemed like maybe he knew he was in the rain already. Uh, some of the some of the things that he was saying, when you look at it in hindsight, you're like, oh, okay. Um, but nevertheless, it was kind of fun to just look back at that interview with uh, Shane the Sheriff Knighty. Uh, and, and thank you for understanding. We are back. We got a lot of good stuff to get to today. We got Taylor Hall moved into the Pacific Division uh, Western Conference, not the team uh, we were talking and thinking it might be a uh, big scuttlebutt. It was going to be the Avalanche, but it ends up being the Arizona Coyotes. We're going to get into that. We've got, uh, we're on pace to break the coaching change record. So uh, we got a few teams, uh, San Jose, Dallas, and Calgary. I don't think we've talked about. We did the Mike Babcock thing. So we'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. But Chris, we got a uh, hot Vegas Golden Knights team to talk about for the first time I think this season. Yeah, they're uh seven, two and one in the in, in the last ten games and um you know they're one point uh uh behind Arizona for the division lead. Although like most of the teams in the NHL, uh just incredible in terms of uh, how close all the teams are and I keep popping on this subject last number of years, but each year it gets more and more. I mean they're only one point uh, out of uh, behind Arizona, but Calgary, who's currently sitting in fourth in uh, the Pacific, is only three points behind Vegas with a game in hand. So uh, to put it in, pers- you know, to kind of put it in perspective. So um, yeah, kind of crazy uh, what's going on. But yeah, just keep keep trying to keep trying to stack up the wins. Uh, they've been on a go- they've been on a real good run uh, lately. Uh, so that so that's good to see, and um, uh, they had that loss and uh, a big win I thought last week was after the back to back second game of the back to back they lose you know the, the St Louis Blues no no shame in that and they come back and win the next game in overtime in Dallas against the, yeah. you know a tough team and the Dallas Stars so seven two and one somehow some way you guys lost to the Rangers in that mix I don't know how that happened mm. although <laughs> first game back from a road trip. Uh, a long road trip is always a danger zone for any That's team. Correct, but, um, uh, but any, but any who, uh, uh, you know, and now as we look, uh, you know, we look ahead here. Uh, they have. I'm just looking here. Um, we got the San Jose Sharks coming up, I believe. 
Uh, excuse me. They're going to Vancouver and San Jose. So Vancouver tonight, right? <coughs> and then excuse Saturday at San Jose. So uh, interesting little two-game trip coming up for them. So um, yeah, gotta keep gotta keep winning games. You know, uh, I, I see this. I mean, I talked about this today with someone regarding the Islanders. They, you know, they had a, a rough game last night. Uh, game kind of got away from them. And you're like, all right, well, it's a long season. You know, you can't win them all. And it's like you lose one game, and even though they have they have games in hand on the teams right behind them in Pittsburgh and Carolina, but, you know, they're only two points. As great as, as great as they've been this year and the great their record is, only a couple points ahead of Pittsburgh and Carolina, even though oh, plus the games in hand, of course. But my point being is, you know, everyone's got a, you know, every game is big. Uh, the parity in this league is at an all-time high. Absolutely, and let me let me go one step further. They're eight two and one in their last eleven. Um, oh, okay, there you just, go. Just just with a uh, the one was a hard fought point in a real good hockey game on the road on the island, which yep. uh, a, I, I that was a really good point to get. They have a really bad loss at home to the New York Rangers in a five nothing shellacking also in that stretch. But uh, like you said, I pinpoint the Arizona game. Uh, that was a, a strong win. Um, you're supposed to beat the Rangers in New Jersey. They were back-to-back um, on the road. What's encouraging, five of those eight wins are coming with Malcolm Subban in the net, including the Dallas win on the back-to-back after St. Louis. Um, that's got to give the the coach and the boys confidence in him going forward that you could play him regularly and uh, get Flurry the rest he needs coming down the stretch. February is a busy month for the Golden Knights, as is March, because January is, is for whatever quirk of the schedule. Um, they only have 10 games. In January, from well, they probably have their break, right? And they, then they, they also a weekend. The, yep, absolutely. And their break butts up against that, so they they have a game on the 21st against Boston, which comes after two days rest, and then they don't play again until the 31st. So they're looking I, at ten games, but or ten days between games. Um, so then they they pack it in on uh, a home heavy February, which. Yeah, probably make yeah. or break the, the, the schedule. They have the same thing. Is that right? They, yeah, they play the 21st, but they go a day better. They play uh, Tuesday, January 21st at the Garden against the Rangers, and then they don't play until February 1st. So Okay. Um, so they're not alone in that regard uh, the night. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, with the way Subban is playing, uh, on any back-to-back situation going forward, there is no reason why Flurry – should be playing both games. So, Absolutely. Uh, so I don't care who it's against at this point. Yeah. I think yeah, no, he, he, he's, he's played fantastic. Team. Yeah. So uh, the, the only thing with Subban is you got to keep him healthy because, as you know, he's he's Ooh. been able – he's the That's injury correct. bug is, is hitting him. But, yeah, no, things are – like I said, uh, but, um, you, know, our, you know, we have Arizona, we, you know, and they – we'll get into them in a minute. They had a huge piece – Edmonton is a little wobbly right now, so we'll see I agree. if they can write this write the ship. Calgary is very hot right now, um, and maybe they've they've kind of uh, gotten gotten their ship together. Vancouver is also a little wobbly, and this is kind of a, a make or break time for the Sharks. So um, 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this how this uh, how this pl- plays out. Yeah, well, with you you mentioned Ed, uh, yeah Edmonton and Calgary. <coughs> Excuse me, goodness gracious. Um, you know, right right behind the Golden Knights, but what they've been able to do on the rest of the division, um, there's now separation. seven point seven points clear of Vancouver. Uh, with the game there tomorrow night, they are nine points clear of the Sharks. So the bottom half of the division, they have been able to create the separation um, in this 11-game streak to, I mean, we're not quite to the point where we're going to call it a four-horse race yet. Uh, San Jose can certainly still get hot, although, um, with a minus 27 goal differential, there's going to have to be a lot of change there for them to be able to get hot. Um, Vancouver, they started out hot, and they're like you said, they're kind of a uh, little less than treading water at this point. Uh, it's not quite a four-team race yet, but the the top of the division is starting to create a little separation from the guys behind them. And now, you know, for a fleeting five to 10 minutes last night before Arizona beat San Jose, you could open the standings up and, and see Vegas in first place in the division. And that's where we all want to see them. And that's where I, you know, that's where we had them, them in San Jose, but that, that part of it didn't turn out. Um, you know, if anyone would have told me Arizona would have been leading this division heading into January, I, I wouldn't have given them the price of a cup of coffee for taking that wager, sir. Yeah, why don't we uh, jump into Arizona and Absol- this move that they've uh, they've made in in Taylor Hall, and it was you know it was interesting that you know the Devils uh, felt that their best foot forward was was to move Hall probably within the last, I guess when they had that big conversation, I think it was around Thanksgiving time to see if they could sign him. And when they couldn't, I think they felt like sooner is better than later. Uh, Sooner probably meant more teams being interested because it's more of a season. Uh, The team that was going to acquire him, it's not like, all right, we get him in late February. Then we have this short stint before the playoffs. Is there enough time to make it all work? And, And also, too, you know, there are more teams in the mix right now. So, you know, who knows two months from now um, or so, yeah, uh, two months from now, but by the trade deadline, Arizona with, uh, you know, injuries, no, not, they might not be a, a team trying to vie for his services. So they figured Suda was better than um, later in terms of the best package that they could get. Um, and I get it. I mean, I was telling different people, I said, look, you know, um, they're not going to get – they're going to get an elite a, a future asset in this first-round pick. It's something people should realize about the first round, This, uh, from what I hear, the, uh, the draft this year, in terms of the first round. Every draft is different. It's a different group of players. This draft is, from what I hear, considered a very strong and deep draft, especially in the first round. I've heard people compare it to 2015 and think about – 2015, that Travis Konecki was 23rd overall. Uh, Bosner of Vancouver was 22nd. Barzell was 16. That Barzell guy Kyle, was, uh, yeah, he was in the late yeah, teens too. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Connor was 17. Now, this is just off the top of my head. So, 
that is a different draft compared to. So because of that, that first round pick is even, is is a little bit different. Okay. Now we don't know. All right. So somewhere. So you know, unless the Coyotes make the uh, Eastern, uh, Eastern Western Conference Finals, that pick is going to fall somewhere between 16 to 24. And then basically what Arizona, uh, what New Jersey got was four secondary assets. They got three young players, big defensemen. They got Nick Merkley, uh, former first-round pick from that 2015 draft. Uh, maybe he can stay if he get, he's going to get a chance in New Jersey, if he can stay healthy. And then they got uh, a young center who's a little bit of a project. And then they got it not for this draft, but the following draft, they got a third-round pick, which can which can become a, which will get elevated to a second-round pick if Arizona wins a round. If Arizona were ever to uh, win a round and sign Hall, re-sign Hall, that third would become a one, which then would elevate that uh, even better. But uh, you know, which if you step back and think about it. If Arizona is going to wind up renting Taylor Hole, which a lot of people think that's how this is going to play out, you know, I get it that they only gave up one elite asset, future asset in the first round pick. Uh, and, you know, you never know what prospects. Some guys who are supposed to be gems don't work out, and some guys who are supposed to be okay wind up being gems. Uh, but be that as it may, they could give up five assets, uh, which is a lot of inventory. Um, so uh, I get, but Arizona put themselves in a position that they were a deep organization uh, that they could get this done. And you know, for those who would question, well, that's not enough. I would say, well, then where was everybody else? Uh, where was Boston who could really have used them? Where was Calgary? Uh, well, a lot of people think he'll wind up with in the summer. Or a lot of people speculate with that. If that's the case, that's even more reason. For Calgary, for you know, to to trade for him, uh, where was Colorado as a deep organization? That's what I was wondering. We were talking with um... Chris Wassel. Yes, thank you, sir. Uh, covers the New Jersey Devils, and he was getting some hot and heavy tips while we were doing our interview live with him last two Saturdays ago, I guess now, and yep. uh, he was hearing heavy rumblings on Colorado, and then. Was it the next game, or, or that they play, actually played Colorado? And yeah, he sat. Taylor Hall was. Huh, what's that? And then that's the game. Hall's one of the two games he sat. But, yeah, they held him out of the lineup. The TV guys even said that Hall's bags were packed, sitting outside the Devils' locker room by themselves during the game. So you got to wonder what happened. I mean, you don't do that unless there's a deal in place, right? You don't pack a dude's bags and put it out in the hallway. Um, so I, I, I'm curious if there was a, a sticking point or if they thought they had a deal and something fell apart with Colorado. And then oddly enough, the next night they're in Arizona and they hold him out of the Arizona game and then he's traded to Arizona. So it, it's kind of weird how, how well, you know, all of that went down. I'd like to know behind the scenes, really. Um, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in that general manager's office to, you know, just see how that all played out because it's it's a well, kind of weird. Yeah, one thing to think about. Look at it this way: one of the, guys, the secondary players they got, Kevin Ball, who's a he's a monster of a guy. He's a six 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 foot six defenseman. He, big defenseman, you know, big boy. Yeah, it's twenty years old. So if New Jersey and their scouts, and going into the season, the Hockey News just as a guide had him ranked as Arizona's eighth best prospect. 
It, it, right. But for whatever reason, it's Jersey and their scouts love this guy, right? And now they're talking with Colorado. And maybe they loved uh, Merkley or they loved the young center that they got in the deal. So they, even though they know that they're not blue chip prospects, they're not top 20, they're not Eric Brandstrom from last year, okay? Right. But they really Nick are high Right, Nick Suzuki, right. And they're talking to Colorado, like, well, we're, you know, so for you, you know, we like their secondary assets a lot more than we like yours. So for you, Colorado, to get us not to trade with Arizona, for you to get whole, we're going to need two elite assets. So that first-round pick and one of your blue chippers. And then if you're Colorado, or we want two first-round picks over there. If you're Colorado, like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, whoa, what's going on here? You know, why Why am I going to have to pay uh, that price when Arizona is? And we're like, well, we like, their, we like those guys better. It comes really down to that and who – who you know in Colorado might have said you know no thanks and and uh, we'll look at we'll see who else maybe we'll trade for Chris Kreider or something along those lines. Right, right. The closer you get to the deadline, um, right, more teams will become sellers. As like you said earlier in the show, that that everything's still pretty tightly packed. Um, the, I'm, I'm reading I'm reading an article on Yahoo Sports. I got it in front of me right now. Ryan Lambert is is the guy who wrote it, and um, here, here's his summary of the prospects. That oh great, the article just closed. Well, I'll sum it up. The defenseman is it says who's their number three prospect, who is never really going to be impactful at the NHL level. The Second prospect he's saying is the center Nate Schnarr, I think. It's yeah, Nate Schnarr, I believe it is. It yeah, says he's maybe a bottom six guy. And Nick Merkley, no, Nick Merkley that he says is a bottom half of the roster guy, quote, in the NHL at best. And Nate Schnarr, quote, only okay as a 20-year-old AHL rookie. Um, First-round pick conditional how would you real quick before we get into some of the other stuff that we that we need to get to tonight uh if you were going to compare it to what ottawa got in the eric carlson deal um it's kind of comparable to that no they got more they, they were more i remember you said they got correct, a couple of nhl picks. roster players out of it yeah they got more picks and don't they have and don't they have San Jose's first this year? I think they got they got like a first and a second, and they got Chris Tierney, who's a pretty right. good player. Uh, NHL qual- than, quality. Yeah, sure. probably better than Merkley. Uh, not that what I hear about Merkley is he needs to stay healthy, um, and he'll get a he'll get a chance. Um, you know, the one thing I will say about that is again, I'm not going to profess to know these these prospects uh, like a scout, but you know. You know, sometimes you got to temper your enthusiasm, both pro and con. Uh, clearly, you know, New Jersey, you know, if the right deal wasn't there, they would have waited to after the holiday freeze, and they're evaluating all these other offers. So, uh, clearly they like these guys. In fact, they were haggling yeah. over Kevin Ball. I was reading that over the weekend um, that uh, I think it was uh, a good buddy, Lyle Richardson, reported from somebody that they were haggling over Kevin Ball. So, um, I remember when uh, the Islanders had a big defenseman named Zdeno Chara, and a lot of people said, oh, this guy will never mm. play in the league, and he can't skate, 
And uh, <laughs> I'm not saying Kevin Paul will become uh, the Daniel Chara, but he wound up becoming, um, you he know, and okay. he actually the Islanders traded him to, to get Alexa Yashin. And I don't think anyone at the time said, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, uh, Ottawa got this future Hall of Famer or whatnot. Right. I, I think, you know, I'm not saying he might have at the time probably had a better uh, prospect grade, but at one point they weren't saying much about him. So these are very young players. Defenseman's 19, the center's 20. Obviously the first-round pick is is the the bread and butter of this deal. And, uh, uh, you, know, this, you know, that alone – Jersey's going to get a good player in that spot, so I think it's it's top three protected. Um, uh, right, that shouldn't be an shouldn't issue. Be, that should be an issue. So uh, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe that will wind up being, um, you know, the 16th or the 18th pick in the draft, and if they wind up getting a, a Kyle Connor, a future Kyle Connor, like Winnipeg did, in around that same spot, or a Travis Connecting for to 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 give up. Uh, Taylor Hall, Reynolds, uh, that alone they would have done well. So uh, time will tell. And, uh, again, if this was such a highway robbery, how is it that none of the other teams, and there were quite a few of them, uh, couldn't have beaten it? No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, At this point, just to go back to the comparison, because he's the last biggest name that was traded, I think we both agree that Ottawa probably did a little bit better than uh, New Jersey's return. Um, at this point in their careers, I mean, you gotta you gotta go with Taylor Hall as far as as somebody whose market value in free agency at the end of the year. I mean, he should at least if he if he finishes this year strong, and and takes Arizona into the playoffs. I mean, they're already in the playoffs right now, so um. He's got to at least be looking at the uh, same deal as Carlson got, right? 11, maybe 12 oh, MVP. Yeah, from a couple of years ago. Well, we'll see. You know, I, I, I would like to say for him to get that. I think he needs to, uh, and again, not that the supporting cast was great in New Jersey, but um, uh, I hope he were playing with some good young players and, you know, he assisted on the game winner last night. Uh, so, this, you know, I'd like to see him uh, – really help that Arizona team who plays great structure and, and keeps, uh, you know, they just need a little bit more offense. So I'd like to see him kind of go there, be that go-to guy for them. And, um, and if he, you know, and, and at least, win, you know, went around and I know it's been eight years. I heard uh, since Arizona's made the playoffs, but for, for yeah, me, 2012. For this, yeah, for me, for this deal to really be a big success for Arizona, they need to not only make the playoffs but win a round because odds are uh, this will probably be a rental. You never know. Maybe he'll fall right. in love with playing there and he hasn't ruled anything out and they can offer the eighth year and so maybe that can help with the cap number, yada, yada, yada. But um, uh, for me, for Arizona, it was a bold move even though they only gave up one elite asset because they did give up a lot of inventory and uh, – to me, they need to win around uh, for this. But I, I kudos to them for for uh, for making such a for making a bold move. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely for for Arizona to jump in in and and I mean, let's face it, every day any franchise can trade for an MVP quality player, and for that to come from Arizona um, 
If you're an Arizona, 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 Arizona Coyotes fan, how about getting your butt down to the rink and supporting this club? They're having the best season um, in a long, long time, and they're making moves to get better. I, I think the Arizona Coyotes faithful need to show, you know, pony up a couple of shekels and get down to the rink and support your club because they're doing now. You know, they got the the coach. We don't really have an arena yet, but um, you got an ownership group there, and they're they're showing you guys an effort. Um, so let's get down and support the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, right now it's cheaper for the Vegas Golden Knights fan to travel to Arizona and get a seat and watch a Golden Knights game. Uh, plenty of good seats available for the Golden Knights fans to travel down to Arizona um, and save money from going down here to the T-Mobile arena. So let's, uh, let's make that a little bit harder of a ticket. Shall we, Arizona? They're doing their part for you. Finally. Yeah, I would, uh, I would, can I agree. Uh, uh, we'd love to see, uh, that, uh, you know, arena back in its heyday. I remember when they were, you know, and they had the Chuck teams and, and how everyone got behind them. So, um, oh, yeah. so I guess let's, let's finish up the show with, uh, we haven't really talked about it. Uh, there was a number of coaching, uh, coaches being fired in terms of Calgary with Peters and Dallas with Montgomery. It was a behavior thing um, in terms of uh, uh, language and such. And uh, and the Sharks was, you know, just when you thought it was, you know, just when you thought the waters was safe for the Sharks, uh, they went on a big losing streak. And Peter DeBoer was a good coach, uh, you know, got let go because of it, and they had to shake things up. It's kind of desperate times for San Jose. So, um, um, you, you know, like I said, there's, it is amazing in terms of, uh, you know, what happened to Dallas or what happened in Calgary. It's, it's amazing that stuff didn't get rooted out in the interview process. You know, teams, you know, they do background checks. They do due diligence, one would think. Um, they told, you know what I mean? Like that, like oh, yeah. kind of things would be known. And I guarantee you any future person getting a head coaching job, uh, that level of detail will be <laughs> amped up quite a bit. Uh, You're looking at Q clearance now. Yeah, <laughs> even without the league pushing them to do it. Because it doesn't look good for anybody uh, in terms of the team. Uh, but, um, yeah, I felt bad for DeBoer because I think he's a real good coach. He's been there for a little while. The second team he's gotten to the Stanley Cup final uh, in his career, once with the Devils, once with the Sharks. Um, Got to keep an eye out for for maybe for the Seattle job. Just throwing it out there uh, as a candidate. But um, what were your thoughts on the coaching uh, being let go? Well, it's interesting. You go back to the Bill Peters thing in Calgary, and that, like you said, there should have been some some vetting involved with that. Um, it, it appeared that, uh, and I don't want to misquote anybody. I believe it was Ron Francis that said. When news started to break of his abuse of the player, um, someone got well, I, and I want to say it's Ron Francis. If I'm not, I'm wrong, and I, I fully admit I don't want to misquote anybody. But it was a, a quote like, "Did this happen? Did this not happen?" And it was quoted that it absolutely happened. So it seems like there was a little bit of a boy network going, where kind of everybody, you know, it's like. Uh, don't look over there. You know, we kind of know what's going on. That's just his style. It's old school. I mean, uh, that protectionism needs to be taken out of the game. Um, you have to, in this day and age, 
remember that you're in a workplace environment and the old school coaching ways of the Bobby Knights and so on and so forth. You can't be kicking chairs across the basketball floor, grabbing kids around the neck uh, and throwing them against the wall to try and get your point across. You have to remember that you're dealing with kids. You're an adult and treat these players with dignity and respect. I don't care who they are, what their background is. It's not your place to put your hands on a kid. Um, I don't know what the situation is. Someone puts their hands on my daughter. They're going to be having to put hands up with me. And that's just how life is. But you're in a workplace. Every single person in a workplace should have dignity and respect afforded to them. Nobody should be worried about going into work and being a victim of any sort of discrimination or abuse. For goodness sake, it's 2020. And I'm an old guy. Okay. I'm old school. Uh, Chris, I think we both are old guys. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But there comes a point in time. You're the grown up in the room. You need to control yourself and not the other way around. So yeah, old boy network has, has to, has to go away. You can't be putting your hands on people's kids. You can't be racial epithets or whatever the case was. That stuff's done. We're done with that. This we have to move on from that. So in that regard, good riddance. Um, in Dallas, it was real weird. We don't really know what the actual right. reason for the termination was. It was uh, a personal code of conduct breach, if I'm getting that quote correct. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. But they made it clear, not related with abuse of players. So that's a step in the right direction. Um, so we don't know what really happened in Dallas. Um, uh, <coughs> but then San Jose, it wasn't just DeBoer. Um, it's the only really right. true hockey-related move that yes. we've had. Uh, go back to Babcock, of course. Um, that's a hockey-related move. But DeBoer and his staff was relieved of duties uh, purely for a hockey-related, you know, trying to kickstart the team. Um, so I have my little rant about about – the, the situation in Calgary and okay, fine. Um, I want to know from you, we talked about the cap situation that's going to be uh, sharks are going to be facing when they get into the off season this year. And combined with next year, you have 10 players that are UFA RFA and 40, I think it was $43 million uh, of salary cap space locked up with five players. It almost feels like, um, a little bit of a preemptive move by Mr. Wilson there where he's going to have some questions to answer when it comes to the end of the season. Um, when you're trying to structure your salary cap in and half of it's taken up with five players. Uh, we talked with the San Jose Sharks podcast and their opinion was that this year was the window that the, the, yep. the, the window may not be all the way closed, but the blinds are turning on this version of the San Jose Sharks. And he's got to be able to justify the way he structured that roster when it's uh, it comes time to pay the piper in the off season. So with with the Sharks, I think that's a move from the front office to say, look, I put the roster together and we just didn't have the right coach and and uh, we made the move. You know, you you know what I'm saying with that. 
it, it feels yeah, well, it feels a little bit be, of that. And you're trying to kickstart the team, of course. Yeah, and desperate get, times call for desperate, desperate measures. Desperate times call for desperate measures. There you go. And I think there's a lot of desperation in San Jose right now. So that's uh, that's my opinion on all of those coaching changes. Dallas is, a little, is still a little weird. Um, maybe we'll find out in the future what, what actually happened there. But um, – I, I, I'm, I'm glad the NHL responded. It, it's too little, not not too little, but it's way too after something like that comes out. And we know of the Patrick O'Sullivan situation in the past. Uh, Theo Fleury had issues when, uh, as a junior, I believe. Uh, if I'm wrong, please don't. I'm I'm not putting anything on anybody. I'm just going off of memory here. Um, but we know these situations have happened in the past. Um, Absolutely in L.A. with when Mark Crawford was talking about Patrick O'Sullivan, there was a quote in the L.A. Times back then where he was talking about O'Sullivan. He goes, I don't know what's wrong with her. She just doesn't want the puck enough. And at the time, I, oh, my goodness, what is that? Um, and and nothing from the NHL on, on that. Um, so it's way too late for the NHL to come out with a code of conduct policy and whatever, you know, but it's about time that it happened, and I'm glad that it did. Yeah, I, I, can, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Okay, well, rant complete. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to go off like that, Chris. I apologize. Um, but, uh, I, you, you know, you start thinking, and, and you have your kid, and, and she's been, no, sure. you know, in, in, in sports her her uh, entire life. And, and thank the good Lord above that she has a fantastic uh, martial arts coach and and I think I'd have to stand in line behind him if anyone put hands on her in the workplace I think he would handle the business um, but anyway we have a uh, NBC Sports Network rivalry game tonight um, just on the surface of things you're looking avalanche at Blackhawks uh, 21-9-3 going against 13-5-6 although I think Chicago's played better than their record. They've been one of those uh, competitive teams for the most part. Um, but with, with both teams, and I'm, I'm just going to schedule to make sure both teams having, you know, not on a back back, all things being equal, you, you got to lean towards the avalanche. <coughs> Excuse me. I almost didn't do that. Um, you got to lean toward the avalanche tonight and, I'm pulling it up now. We have they gotta be a big favorite here. Blackhawks plus one thirty five at home if you like the home dog. Uh Avalanche not that big a price. Minus one sixty on the road if you want to give up a puck line. Minus a goal and a half gets you plus fifty. Uh over under total six and a half. Um look Looking at the game, I would go ahead and lay that goal and a half avalanche. I think too much for the Blackhawks tonight, and I'm going to take the plus one fifty. Going to leave the total on six and a half isn't a number I really like on this game, but we'll go avalanche minus one and a half over Blackhawks. What do we got on this weekend, Chris? Uh, so Saturday we're going to start a little bit later, 11:30 a.m. Vegas time, and a good friend of the show, Mark Scheig, will be joining us. Talk Metropolitan uh, Division, uh, talk Columbus Blue Jackets, where they're at. He covers the Jackets. 
Eastern Conference as a whole, get his take on tail hole, so a number of things to hit with uh, Shiger on Saturday. All right, all right. and it's, all, I mean, we could talk to Shike for hours on end, so yeah. it, ought be, it ought to be a good show. We'll have uh, another, another Golden Knights game to look at. I'm, I'm kind of a little bit leery about the Vancouver game. The Golden Knights, and I tweeted this out during the game, the second period for eight to ten minutes of that Vancouver game was probably the best hockey I've seen them play as a five-on-five five in terms of passing, uh, touch passing, where, where you put it out there. There's a beautiful um, sequence where Marcia Show had three Vancouver Canucks draw to him at center ice, and he laid the puck out from one one dot to the other, uh, on sides into the offensive zone where only Carlson was going to get onto the puck, get, got it down into the corner to Smith. All three defenders left Marsha show and it went up to the point down and then just floated it across the crease. And for some reason they forgot old 81 was sitting there and is a, just a gorgeous, beautiful passing play working as a five man unit. Um, there were three different occasions in that second period where the Knights held possession in the offensive zone and completed full line changes. And that's going back to the 2017 version of the Golden Knights when the possession metric was so dominant that you could just watch them change lines, change defense pairs, and never give up the puck and keep it in the offensive zone. And we're starting to see that out of this Golden Knights team. Um, so, But now I'm – that was the connection, you know, Full disclosure, that was the Canucks' third game in four nights, back-to-back, playing the same goalie. So uh, I think that they may be hungry for a little bit of payback Thursday night. We'll have to wait and see, but it'll be interesting to see uh, if Vancouver can get off to a hot start, uh, how the Golden Knights are going to respond to a team that they probably should beat at this point in the season. Yeah, it should be an it'll be an interesting contest. Vancouver has to get going, so it's a huge game for them. Absolutely. All right, Chris. Well, man, it's good talking hockey with you again, buddy. It's been, you know, a couple of weeks since we've been able to put out a, a show at all. We've both been uh, under the weather here, and uh, it's just good to talk to you again, man. I had a good time tonight. Yeah, me too. Back at you, buddy. Look forward to sh- Saturday with Traeger. All right. Well, until Saturday, we're going to be uh, – Looking forward to talk to Mark Scheiger, so we'll see everybody then for Chris on Mark, and we're gone.